Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Rich from Bigfooty Tigercast. I'm your host Michaels and we've got our big round 1 preview going on tonight. Uh, it's, it's a massive, massive game. We're unfurling the flag for the first time for a lot of us supporters and it's going to be a very, very exciting occasion. And for such a special occasion, we have two very special guests with us tonight. The first guest, in the late 80s, he, he took a really impressive 8 for 27, including a hat-trick after an interesting morning, which I'll get him to tell everyone about. This is Anfield. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Michaels. Yeah, a long time ago. I think it would have been 89. 89. And um, so the, the morning that led up to taking the 8 for 27, including the hat-trick, what was the, the pre-game sort of ritual? What happened there? Well, I was going out with a girl from work who introduced me to a place in Clarendon Street um, where you have these flotation devices. You go in, it's an hour long, you have a, a, a completely dark, you're enclosed like in a little bath with, with he- heavily salted water and they pipe subliminal, subliminal music through, which is supposed to give you self-confidence and belief and relax you. Don't know if it worked or not, but uh, first ever hat-trick and 8 for 27 is not a bad return. Yeah, the first part of that description sounded a bit like Groupie's Dungeon, but I'm, I'm glad it turned out better for you at the end. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was nice and clean, nice and fresh, and it actually did it a few times, and it actually does relax you. It goes really quick, and uh, I'd recommend it, but I can't find any anymore. It's one of those businesses that would struggle to make money, I'd imagine. Okay. Oh, well, it obviously worked, 8 for 27, including a hat-trick. That's a yeah. very good haul. Unfortunately, never to be repeated. You only have to do it once, that's all that matters. We did. And we did win a flag that year. My first oh. ever flag in any sport, so I'll go with that. Put it all down to the to the salted water. There's the trick. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our second guest for the night has helped prepare a meal for former President of the United States of America, Barack Obama, Scarecrow 2K1. Welcome. Thank you. It's every little boy's dream to get the call up for the Big Footy podcast, and to do it in round one is pretty exciting. Yes, now we, we get we get the best on early, uh, just to get us off to a good start. Yeah. But going back to your little Sorry. fun fact there, preparing a meal for Barack Obama, how did that all come about? That's a, a pretty interesting thing to have done. Yeah, look, it was it was pretty exciting. Um, I worked at Yellowstone National Park in the States in 2009. Um, so it was his first year of his presidency, and he actually came to do a visit. And uh, the kitchen that we worked in prepared a meal for him. Now, my preparation was somewhat limited. I actually just gave some milk to the Secret Service to give to him. Um, but it was still pretty cool to get to sort of hang out with the Secret Service guys while they watched us prepare the meal to make sure everything was above board. And they were, they were really cool, fun sort of guys. So it was quite exciting, really. Oh, very good. Um yeah, I mean, I would have thought it would have been a bit intimidating with the Secret Service guys, but that's only based off purely what you see on TV shows and movies, but that obviously wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, you see the movies and you see these big, muscular guys, they're all in the black suit, they've got the earpieces, but actually, they were really fun, down-to-earth, like, everyone had a different suit, they were all shapes and sizes, and, and they're actually really good guys to chat to, which was good. Were they all wearing their shades? No shades. We were indoors, so I imagine outside they probably would have donned them, but uh, not indoors. In the movies, they wear the shades indoors and out. Yeah, you're right, actually. Okay, we'll start off with what we usually do with any new guests on the show. We'll find out a little bit more about them. Uh, So this is Anfield. How did you become a Richmond supporter? Ooh, this goes back to 1967. Now, it may not be well known on these boards, but I'm actually from Liverpool in England and came over here as a 10-year-old. Uh, with my family, but Dad got a job at English Electric, and as as you know, we got here in July, and in mid-August, some of his work, one of his workmates and family, they took us to the footy. It was Richmond St Kilda at the G, 
the Saints at the time with the reigning premiers had a bit of red in their jumpers, liked the sound of them, liked the look of them. Richmond ended up winning by about five goals. KB, Paddy Ganane, four goals each. And I'm with Richmond people. And as we all know, when you're with a group of Richmond people, Richmond have a win. I've been a Tiger for life ever since and will never change. So fortunately, the first game we saw was a Richmond game that they won. And um, yeah, because I'd hate to be a supporter of another team. Very good. And to add on to that, what was your favourite grand final moment from last year? Oh, had to be. Uh, now I gave it a lot of thought because there was a lot of um, you know, discussion on the on the boards about that. But um, I'm not sure which goal it was. It might have been Townsend's in the last quarter. It might have been Butler's. But I turned, looked at my son. He's 18. He'd never seen any real sustained Richmond success. We looked at each other, both screamed at the same time. We're fucking premiers or some such and uh, hugged. And it was like we are the only two people in the ground. The other 100,000 didn't count. And, um, yeah, that was the moment. Um, we knew that we were going to win the flag. And I was there with my son. Special moment, never to be, re- you know, you, 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 you dream of those moments. Absolutely. And it was great. Yeah, a lot of people probably have similar moments. And, yeah, it's always good to hear those stories shared with family and loved ones being at the, at the oh, grand absolutely. final. Absolutely. And, yeah, a lot of people did say that, you know, on that, um, on that thread. And it's true. It's true for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And, Scarecrow, what about yourself? How did you become a Richmond supporter? Yeah, sure. So my family's been a Richmond family, I guess, since the club's inception or as long back as any of us can remember anyway. Um, but I kind of bounced around, uh, lived in Melbourne for a couple of years, sort of grew up a lot in the States and then in Canberra as well. So probably didn't settle again in Melbourne until 2000, until I was in my mid-teens. And from then, I've never really missed a game. So I was raised on a steady diet of Richo, Bowden, Coglin, Campbell, and a healthy serving of disappointment mixed in there. So uh, needless to say, it's great to be back into the finals in a premiership. And what about your favourite grand final moment? Look, I probably narrowed it down from a top 20 to a top 10 just to get it to <laughs> one, and I think uh, many others are the same. But for me, I couldn't shake all week. I was I was just supremely confident we were going to win after that GWS game, after the pressure that we sort of dialled up with. I just couldn't shake it. And, and that probably that Jack Graham goal where we hit the front in the second quarter, you know, it had been a bit of a slog for a while. And, and to hit that goal and then just sort of realising, hang on, we're actually in front. We're in the grand final. This this is going to happen. Um, and that was probably a pretty cool moment for me. Yeah, so Jack Graham, that is, for anyone listening at home. That was, <laughs> no, a very special moment. Yeah, you're right. Once we hit the yeah. front, it was. It was a, like, a, oh, wow, this we are actually a chance, yeah, especially after they kicked yeah. the, the first two and we were missing a lot. I thought, oh, God, here we go. But Yeah, yeah and we weathered that storm and we were still in front. Yep. Yeah. And, no. and it's funny because when you watch the replay, you never. Th- I never really think of it at the game till. It's impossible for us to lose. I keep yeah. you know, too many scars. But when you watch the replay, we as soon as we hit the front, we we could not lose. They were gone. Yeah, mentally and physically, exactly. they were they were absolutely gone. And um, I wish I'd have known that, and it would have been a bit, little bit more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure we all feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'll move on to the first topic, and roast and toast is back for this year. It was fairly popular with the listeners last year. Uh, so this is Anfield. You're going to kick off 2018's roast. So who are you going to go with? Oh, I've gone the easy target. I've gone to football media, and specifically the TV commentators. Um, more specifically, guys like um, Taylor, Russell, Basil all the ones that want to make the broadcast and the commentary about them 
rather than it being about the game. All the best commentators, like Bruce during the grand final, he went back to the best Bruce where it was just about the moment, the Jack Graham that is moment. It wasn't forced, unlike BT, who, when Eddie was possibly held, possibly, I won't admit that he was held in the goal square by Grimesy in the second quarter, you know, carried on for about five minutes like he was held, held, held. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm watching and said, Brian, the umpires aren't listening to you. They're actually concentrating on the game. And he does that all the time to make it all about him. And as for Dwayno, uh, Drammy and your honey, Mott's Drammy and your honey, uh, and his Americanisms, it's, it's just so unprofessional for such a professional game. And the media in general, there are far too many... Um, tabloid reporters who are only interested in the scandal, the story. I'm talking about your Barrett's, your Hutchison's, that new flog that's on SEN, McClure. You know, all of these guys, they don't report the story. They want to enhance and become part of the story, and it's all about the scandal. It reminds me of the British tabloids when they went, you know, the English cricket team in the 80s with both and the rest of it. There are more scandal mongers and genuine reporters in the game these days. Uh, and stop me if I'm going too far or too long, but, uh, and it's also um, the proliferation of sports shows and war rooms and all the rest of it. I think we're just, we're getting sport and we're getting overdone with it, to be honest. Yeah. The good the, ones are very good. The journos are a bit of a bugbear for mine as well. They've mm. they pretty much got free license to write whatever they want and inflicting as much damage on whoever they want with no repercussions. So, yeah, uh, like, John, I mean, we all obviously saw John Ralph's article the other day about Josh Kelly staying at GWS. Mm. Um, the article had good intentions, but the opening sentence, including words like coke snorting, I mean, that's not how you open up an article when you're trying to engage players and fans alike and rightfully so Jack Rewalt called him out on Twitter on it and there was just a massive outpour of outrage thrown towards John Ralph who's usually pretty good to be fair uh, uh, and he retracted yeah. uh, if good in the sense that he's, he's not to the level of Hutchie and Damon and all that kind of stuff but he nah, retracted true, it and he, he fixed it up but he really shouldn't have gone there to start with of course not but Josh Kelly drives a, drives a, a Passat or something he's such a you know, a lovely guy and he's doing all the right things. They're not interested in those stories. It doesn't sell papers. They need they need they need chopstick gate to make mountains out of molehills to sell the papers. So and we read them, we take her up, so we're as much to blame as as uh, as they are at times. But there are too many. Too many David Kings, too many Dermots talking regurgitating the same, same, same tired old crap. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And um, Scarecrow, you've got the toast for to kick off 2018. What have you got for us? Yeah, I do. So there's a bit of 2017, a bit of 2018 in mind, but I'm really, really impressed with our ball movement and our offence from sort of the end of 2017 and the start of this year. So I'd like to toast that. Um, probably started with that St Kilda Frio game at the end of last year where we really put on some big scores and then in the finals just really blew teams away. And all last year we, we kind of looked like we could hold teams um, well enough to a low score, but couldn't kick one ourselves. And I think we've seen that in JLT, and I know that's not always, not always indicative of success, but those couple of JLT games have just been really high-flowing um, offence, really looking like we're able to move the ball forward well. And I think a huge part of that is actually Josh Caddy. Um, those two JLT games were massive. Um, each one, he got 20-something possessions. He probably looked a lot cleaner than we'd seen him, sort of pushing up more into the midfield. So I think he's going to be absolutely vital to our team this year, and especially given we have a bit of a lack of midfield depth, we'll need him to step up. 
he's yeah, leaner, he's, isn't he? Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Mm. He's dropped a little bit of weight, so yeah. he just seems a lot more agile, and he's covering the ground oh, a lot yeah. better too. I know it's early on, but the oh, signs and you can just tell he you just tell he loves being at Richmond. Yep. And, and it was a tough two. task to give him where we said, you know, yeah. you're a midfielder, but we've recruited you to play forward. Um, mm. You know, whereas last year he spent probably more time up forward than in the midfield. So it'll be good this year to see him push in the midfield, especially given we don't really have a lot of guys, um, dedicated midfielders in the in the reserves. And we'll, um, we'll move on to, this is going to tie into what you just spoke about, but we, we've got a couple of questions from listeners via Twitter. Um, and yeah, as I said, it really sort of ties back into where we're at for this year. So the first one was from Tigers on Fire. And the question was, how do we all think our game plan will evolve this year? Do we have an answer for anyone trying to counter our small forward line and pressure? And what is the next step for the Tigers? I'll start with you. This is Anfield. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a few on there. As far as a, a game style, it, that any game style, whether it's Hawthorns when they're three-peat or Geelong before at the complete game, They'll stand up as long as every player is buying in, a fit, and are all doing their job. Um, especially ours, because it's, it's, it's as I say, it's, it's a defensive game plan first and foremost, where there are three stages of all. They've got the ball, we've got the ball, it's in dispute. When they've got the ball, we put it in dispute so well and win it back. Get it back, get it back, get it back, get it back further up the ground, further up the ground, further up the ground. If we've got 18 players on the ground but all, at any one time all buying in, all giving their, their best, yeah, the game style, the game plan is, yeah, it's going to get better and better. Because you can't, they can't stop our pressure. You can stop Hawthorne's kicking game with pressure. You can stop um, players like Geelong you'd like to do on their skinny ground. They like to get you know, players like Henderson back to make intercept marks. But you can't negate our pressure if we want to bring it. If we want to bring it, we'll bring it. And it's up to them to either better it or be bloody good by hand and foot. And, at the, and as the final said, not many sides are that good by hand and foot to, to break it down. So I think, yeah, absolutely. As long as we don't have any major injuries and everybody stays focused, yeah, no problem at all with the game plan holding up. Yeah, I agree. And Scarecrow, what's the next step for the Tigers? How do we go forward? Yeah, look, I couldn't absolutely could not agree more with what Anfield had to say. And I think the only weakness that we had last year was one, that low scoring that I spoke about, which which hopefully we've turned the corner on. But two, um, the small forward line did prove a little susceptible to um, being beaten with intercept marking last year. So guys like McGovern had a bit of a field day at times. So I think that better ball movement is really going to be key to not allow those defenders to zone off and pick off marks. So if we can if we can take care of those two things, we get better. We finished third last year, so I think the goal should hopefully be top of the table this year, um, and then obviously a nice ride to the finals. To yeah, the flag, I, hopefully. I agree with all that. But yeah, like you said, Anfield, that there's there's only so much you can do to try and counter pressure, and if teams can get above and over the pressure we're dealing out, then full credit to them; they deserve to win. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, but absolutely. That'll be yeah, a, that'll be an awesome side. Yeah, that's right. And it's just one of those really weird circumstances where we we didn't necessarily beat teams via skill because um, I don't think we're the best skilled team in the comp by any stretch but it was sheer work rate uh, and everyone buying mm. into that and yeah if you don't have it it's it's very hard to to counter so but like yeah. you also said as well Scarecrow it's our conversion that needs to improve that's our next step forward to make sure we're yeah. a lot more effective mm-hmm. going inside yeah. 50 and and in the latter half of the season and the finals it did because the confidence grew all the time and as yep. the confidence grows you've got 
you know, players like Butler and Castagna and Caddy and Grit, they all hit the scoreboard regularly. If one didn't do it, the others did it. And that's only going to get better, I believe, or hope. Yeah, you know, absolutely. obviously it's all, everything's got to go right. Um, but I do tend to err on the positive side, you might have noticed. But uh, yeah, hopefully it'll keep going. And the second question that came through was from Paul underscore football. People keep saying that we have no options at, at tall forward. I think we have some amazing options not greatly explored. Could you see someone like Asprey, Rance uh, and co rotate into the forward line at, at times this season? Scarecrow, what do you think? Um, Paul underscore football. Sorry to disagree with you. I'm not so sure about that. I, I seem to recall we've tried Asprey forward at some stage, but I'm just not sure that he's got the mobility to do it. I think Rance does his best work when he's impulsive and disruptive and up forward when you've got to have patterns and be in the right space. I'm not sure he can do it. And even if they could, I think they're much better used in the back line than the forward line. I think what's going to happen for us is the small forwards getting some midfield minutes, allowing guys like, well, we've already seen it with Lambert and Martin, but maybe a bit more Cochin and Grigg actually resting a bit up forward and just giving it like, you know, so many different looks and dangerous options at goal. Uh, and, and hopefully with more improving, I think he showed some really good signs in the uh, JLT too. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of him as well. But I don't see Asprey and Rance personally doing it. And what about you, Anfield? Oh, look, I agree with Scarecrow a little bit there. Um, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it, the back line. Yeah, how good was it? We were winning, when, as we said earlier, earlier in the season. We were only scoring 12, 13 goals maximum. But we were winning games by you know, three or four goals because you know, our back line is awesome. From Asprey, who takes the, the bigger guys and is such assured marking. You know, Grimes, just the unsung hero of, of football, let alone the Tigers. And, and with Rance, and then you've got you know, you, you, Hooley, Brandon Ellis, all the other guys rotating around through. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll find other ways to score goals, which we're doing, but you just don't break up that back line. You just don't. If teams happen to find us out and we need a bit more height down there, we, we, we are going to need some kind of a backup option. Um, uh, yeah, Griggy into the ruck and... Um, and <laughs> Garthway could be a dark horse to come in as well. Oh. Garthway, he was a Ford as a yeah. junior. I know he's been playing in defence for the VFL, yeah. but he could be another possible option if we were to yeah. be exploited with our lack of height. Um, up forward. Yeah, and and people tend to forget when they talk about this small forward line, but we were five and zip playing two forwards, whether it was Soldo or Elton. So therefore, we have gone it before and still been successful. It's just that we ran through the back half of the year in the finals with the smaller forward line through necessity. But yeah, they they will still work as long as we all work eighteen players on the ground at the time, and the, you know, well, twenty two as you say, um, all working as one. Then get yeah, two forwards or tall forwards or no forwards all forwards will we'll all work. And don't forget Caddy and Martin and Cochin and Townsend all can take marks overhead. Yeah, I, I think so I kind of think tiny. that's probably the path we might head down to yeah. combat it if, if other teams work us out. I mean, I said to a mate before that I reckon Dusty <laughs> might kick 40 goals this year. He's just... Nice. You, know, you can plonk him down the goal square and yeah, he'll, he'll take five or six grabs and convert more often mm. than not. So it, we could have some headaches if it does go pear-shaped, but yeah, they're going to have to either get some young games in like a Bolter or Garthwaite at various stages, um, or if this keeps working, then obviously stick with it. Callum Moore, he looked reasonably good in that last quarter against North. Yeah. He knows he where the goals are. Yeah, he definitely did. I wouldn't, wouldn't mind hands. seeing him get a couple yeah. of games as well throughout the year. Um, Absolutely. When applicable. Because he looked mobile. 
a big guy coming in there has got to be mobile to suit the, the game style. In my, yeah, and he can still apply pressure. Like, he could still tackle and chase, yeah. which is important. If he couldn't do that, it'd be no chance. Yes. We'll push on to the next topic, and you actually mentioned him just before Oops, this is Anfield. You probably, just, you probably just heard a Guinness can opening there. Oh, <laughs> it's a Monday night. Go <laughs> Oh, uh, settle the nerves, Michael. Settle the nerves. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the, the next topic. It's a new one. I'm not sure how often we'll do it, but we'll kick it off. It's uh, called Unsung Hero. And I just want to pay tribute to a couple of, well, a player each week, potentially, that doesn't really get the plaudits that the rest of his teammates get. And you mentioned before, this is Anfield, Dylan Grimes. Um, for a long time now, Grimes has been a huge, important part of our lineup. But he, I don't think he's really ever mentioned in the same sentence as some of our other defenders. But I think you could easily argue that he often does the most important jobs, especially on the smaller forwards. Uh, Scarecrow, what have you made of Grimes' career so far and where he's come from with all all his injuries and things like that? Well, he's absolutely agreed that he's so, so vital to the team. And I think we've known that from the first time he played. But that question was just how injury-prone was he? And, and it seems like so long ago, he's, he's been so reliable lately. Um, but he's also just gone with the ball. You used to get a bit nervous when he's got the footy, and now you know he's not really going to miss the target. Um, and, and that durability, he can play tall, he can play small. We really need that going forward because I think other teams are going to start emulating our small forward lineup. And if he could only play tall we'd have to consider dropping one of the tools against a small lineup. And now we know that both him and, and actually Rance at times has played small as well. So that durability is really, really key, and he's he's vital to that. And this is Anfield. I mean, these are some of the names he's kept goalless during his time. Betts, Toby Green, Robbie Gray. I think he did that all last year. And there was even a stretch of about nine games where he didn't concede a goal. How underrated is he? Uh, well, not, not, not by just the general public, general uh, sporting public, um, I think by our own supporter base in the past, you know, I think most of us, most that didn't rate him are rating him now, but I've always rated him, always from the first night. I remember when he first tore his hamstring off the bone and he was he had an absolute desperate act to spoil somebody at, at uh, centre-half back and he could just almost hear it from, you know, 100 metres away. Um, and then he didn't ever had that run at it. But, um, yeah, he's got ticker. He's got desire and heart, and he's a smart footballer. He knows when to stay. He knows when to go. Um, I, yeah, Asprey and Rance just must just love having a Dylan Grimes um, around them because he can negate. And yeah, and as Scarecrow said, he's now starting to get more confident with the ball, more of a user. Um, he doesn't play. He plays within himself. So he, by that I mean he doesn't he doesn't overstretch himself and try to do things he's not capable of. Um, like a Reese Conker does occasionally. Um, yeah, he just he finds his targets now, and yeah, they'd love him down there. They'd love him. I love him. I reckon he's a terrific player. I thought he should have been in the All Australian Forty last year, without a doubt. And if either of you got a um, a favourite or a particular Grimes moment that stand out for you? Oh, absolutely. When he, when he got away with holding Eddie Betts at the end of the second quarter <laughs> in the grand final. <laughs> for me, so for me, the so thing that about him. For me, it's that he doesn't have any particular moments. You know, he the thing about Grimes is he's tough and he's committed and he gives it his all, whether it's the JLT or the grand final or anything in between. He's not a guy that's kicked a bag of goals. He's not a guy that gets a ton of possessions. He does his job and he does it bloody well and he does it each and every week. He does. I think yeah, he, one yeah. of my favourite moments from him was a recent one, the 
prelim final against GWS, the marking contest collision against Himmelberg in the first quarter. Yes, yes, that, yes. I, I felt, when I saw that, I thought that has really set the tone for what we're going to be about yep. for the rest of this game. Yeah, absolutely. And I still don't reckon that was a free kick, just quietly. <laughs> I'm not biased. I'm not, oh, I, think, I'm not I, think, biased I think it might have been, but that's, that's all right. It's the Richmond podcast. We can say what we want. <laughs> uh, shocking, aren't I? Shocking. No, Never mind. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, I think he's just going to keep going from strength to strength. And yes. I think a big part of that is having those other great plays down there to support him. They all just work oh. off each other so well. One of the things I admire most about our back line as a whole is their ability to cover it for each other and just know when they've got to leave their man to help someone else out. Like, there's just... No yeah. confusion at all. They just know what's happening yeah. at all times. It's it's so good. And it's continuity too. Dave Asprey suffered from the same thing. Now you've got Asprey and Grimes both in the same season having probably their first ever injury-free good runs at it to build on what they did last year and look at the result. Rance is better now for it and we're, we're a premiership side because mm-hmm. of that continuity and confidence in each other. Yeah, it's a huge factor, no doubt. Oh, huge, huge. Okay, I'll move on to another new top, another new segment, and this was inspired by a thread made today by Cotcher's King on the board, um, and I gave him full credit for that. I thought it was a great idea. He, he made a thread just with round one banners, so everyone got really creative oh, yeah. and, and put forward what, what they might put mm. on the banner this week for round one. I think it's something we should do going forward, because some of the stuff on there is, is gold. So I'll kick off with one first, and hopefully I gave oh, you two no. enough time to, to find your own, but if not, that's right, I'll read out a couple of others. The, um, the one I had was Dusty's barber's business is booming. I hope you have heard. We asked what he could do for Daisy, but unfortunately, he can't polish a turd. Yeah, I heard that <laughs> one. You, you sent us that one, and I just ticked it. I said the best. Yeah, I, I'm not going to better that. I'm, I'm not going to get better than that. It's gloomy. Have you, have have you, you contacted the Jew squad to tell them to go for it? Yeah, I, I, I do. Haven't. I've gone a similar. I've gone a similar remix on the uh, Carlton banner last year, that now infamous banner, which possibly spurred us to our flag. Um, mine has been that Carlton's 23-year plan has been a disaster. Our team is harder, better, stronger, and faster. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> very good. No, I'm, I've let the team down here. I've, I'll go with that first one you read out. I reckon that was <laughs> Granted, it wasn't much notice, but uh, I, I did have a look through that thread, and I found another one in there that I liked. It was from Tiger, New South Wales. Suck it up, oh, yeah. blues, while we unfurl our flag. You best stuff more cash into those brown paper bags. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that one. Yeah. Oh, well, that was quite clever. Yeah. Just winding yeah, up the clock with a bit of a clip on the way through. It's good. And yeah. then we had one come through on oh, Twitter as well. Uh, this was from Paul underscore football, so we submitted a few things tonight. He's got the scribes. They may not rate us, but our fans know we're the greatest. So let's just watch the yellow and black thrive on back-to-back. Just to see oh, that's nice. Yeah, that. that's actually... That's- just to send a bit of a strong message out to the comp that we're going to thrive and um, and go around again. Yeah. All right. So, but yeah, keep the yeah, creative ones coming exactly. through on that thread. It's um, it's very very funny. We'll push well, on to them. We have to. We have to know that they bloody surges <laughs> closed down the salt thread. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that was always on the cards after the last couple of days. Yeah. True. True. All right, we'll move on to the big preview of the Round 1 game versus Carlton. Um, firstly, a big thanks to Kays for his fantastic Round 1 preview thread on the board. Um, a really great way to start off the year. We'll I'd like to it. know who his ghostwriter was. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. He's, uh, he set the bar pretty high, so I, I don't think whoever's next, Absolutely. it doesn't appreciate that. I'm third, I'm going in Round 3, so hopefully I don't have too much of a big act to follow. 
but Scarecrow, round one versus the Blues, potentially 90-odd thousand people. What are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a great game for us. I think um, both teams have had a great JLT series and, you know, I've really reevaluated where I think Carlton are at. I originally thought they were going to win the spoon and now I think they might finish equal last with North Melbourne. So um should be a cracking <laughs> game about big, big margin, I think. Uh, and this is Hanfield. What about, you? what about you? What are your thoughts on the game? Okay. Oh, look, round one. And I, look, I've got a long history with the Blues going back to 1967. Um, a lot of scars. I think we should win and win comfortably. I feel that we may even be behind a quarter time because it's it's an early grand final for the Blues. They've got to show their fans something. Um, they'll be hard at it. They'll be whatever. But they won't be able to sustain it. And we'll comfortably 40, 45 points, I reckon, we'll win. It won't be easy early. Um, I hope I'm wrong and hope we steamroll it from the start and win by 150 because we owe those pricks for a, a lot of years and just for being Carlton. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm up in the clouds, but uh, I've got my ticket. Yeah, look, maybe I'm just being ultra negative because we've been burned a few times in the past, <laughs> even, even though we've just come off a premiership. But And they've lost Bryce Gibbs, yes. I get that, and Pickett's out for a few months. Yeah. But similar to what you said, Anfield, that I see this as a free hit for Carlton. They're, they've got nothing yes. to lose. They're coming up against yeah. the reigning premiers. Um they're primed. They've had a pretty good JLT series. The young kids are going to be really enthusiastic and excited and up and about. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we were behind or only just in front, even by halftime. But I do think we'll probably yeah, eventually, hopefully, run over the top of them. But at the same time, yeah. if it's still close at three-quarter time, I'd be pretty nervous heading into the last quarter because they're, they're the kind of team that you want to play in the back half of the year if the confidence Ooh. has been knocked out of them after yep. a heap of heavy losses through the middle of the yeah. season. But getting them yeah. straight off the bat, yeah, they're going to be out there to prove a point. And I don't think it's going to be as easy as what we're all hoping it's going to be. But I, no. I still think we'll get the job done. Yeah. And look, the difference now, Michael, that I see us now as we are to where we were, so when we first started playing these games, you know, 2008 or whatever, where it was, nine, I remember the Ben Cousins game. Richmond then, if Richmond played poorly, they would have got smashed. Now if we play poorly... We'll probably lose by not, but not much. If we played averagely, we'd lose. If we played average now, we'll probably still beat Carlton. Where if, if we play well, it's it's not going to be. We we won't lose. Where previously Richmond could have played at their best and still lost to Carlton. So that's where we're at now. We're so far advanced of where we were ten years ago that I shouldn't be so worried about it. But uh, as you say, um, old habits die hard. And yeah, we've just won the flag and we're sitting here worrying that we're going to lose to Carlton. You just can't take that <laughs> fear out of the Richmond Sewer water. You, you oh, can't, and I, I know that I'm going to get criticised and I feel like an idiot for even thinking it, but it's just, you know, round one, it's always different in round one. Like, there's always mm. those select few teams that no matter where they sit on the ladder or where we sit on the ladder, they're always a chance for some reason. It just yeah. Melbourne's another one. doesn't matter how good or bad yeah. either of us are going, mm. you know they're always yes. going to have a real good shot against us. And yeah. For me, Carlton are just another one of those teams. But the yeah. one thing I think Carlton might have going against them, potentially Scarecrow, and I'll get your thoughts on it, is they look like a fairly tall side. They've got Kasbolt, uh, Marchbank, Weedering. I mean, they've obviously got to have Cruiser for rucking. But especially down back, they seem like they might be a little bit too top-heavy, Liam Jones as well. Um, is that going to be something that's going to be the area we have to exploit the most? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see some movements there because um, Liam Jones is, you know, good matchup for them for Rewalt. And then the rest of the tools, they don't really need him. So I think we might see Weedering swing forward and, and maybe try and stretch us. But I think uh, Rance and Asprey should pretty comfortably take care of Casbolt and Weedering. Yeah, with Casbolt, I mean, if he gets on a roll early and starts clunking and kicks a few early, he, he can cause headaches. Um, yeah, well, I mean, He always he, does against us, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He'll right. kick a few points. He'll kick a few yeah. points. <laughs> yeah, really. If, 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 if Casbolt's going to beat us, we're, we shouldn't be reigning premiers. No, really, when you think of it deep yeah, down. That's probably fair enough. The, um, yeah. the other big player for them, and we'll get to the matchup shortly, but Matty Cruiser, obviously, who hurt his ankle in the last JLT they had, could be a bit of an injury cloud mm. over him. Uh, and Curvis, this is pretty much his big opportunity to work him over because a fully fit cruiser, yep. I think, is one of the better ruckmen in the competition because he is dangerous all around the ground. He can go forward, kick goals, um, and he's a bit of a hard matchup. So it's going to be interesting to see how hard Nank works him. Yeah, I thought um, Cruiser, I think the first game last year, he was. I thought he was easily their best player. Um, if memory serves me well, and he, he actually did work forward and back and Gave them gave them good use, even winning the second ball in the in the in the centre square. So yeah, yeah. Look, he's a, he's a great player. I've always had a lot of time for Cruiser. Another one who's you know been cruel by injuries. Haven't really seen the best of him. Uh, Koch's best mate, but yeah, oh, yeah. He, yeah, Nank. If Nank if Nank holds his own or beats Cruiser, well, we're well on the way to a big win. Mm. And if Cruiser's actually not playing, there's a chance he might not get up. I think their backup is the old Matthew Loby who's come across from Port Adelaide. So that would be a very good result for us. If not, not obviously not wishing any um, injury on Cruiser, but uh, it'd be be good for uh, Nank if it's well, a match we, we could loan the hammer back to the Blues for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the other matchups I think will be interesting, and I really hope this one happens, is Jack Graham versus Patrick Cripps. I mean, Cripps is obviously going to be a, one of the best young players going around, but so is Jack Graham. And we've seen, even as even in the grand final, that Graham had a pretty good run with roll with Sloan. And I think it could be a, a good little matchup to try and keep Cripps in check. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, Jack Graham might hurt Cripps go back the other way. Um, even though he got a lot of exposure, he still only played five games, and the the, the respect going back the other way might not be a hundred percent there. But if he could do it again, like if Nan Curbs can do a good job on Cruiser, and if, if Graham at the same time does a job on Cripps, well, who's going to get the ball out to Murphy because he's not going to get it himself? So that could be any sort of score for the Tigers um, because they are their two keys without a doubt. Oh, they, they definitely yeah, are. and with um. With uh, Cripps, I guess, I hope Graham gets the role because I think it's great for him to learn from these guys. Yeah. Cripps has a six-inch height advantage on Graham, so we'd want to really watch him when he drifts forward um, because he could uh, could do a bit of damage there. And I think they're planning to actually play him forward quite a bit this year is the word. Don't know who's going to be in the midfield if he's up forward, but, yeah. Like you said, Anfield as well, that, um, Graham does have that good ability to hurt him the other way too, which, mm. is, which is not like yeah. a typical tagger. He's not afraid to, to drift forward himself, which is good. No, I wouldn't call him tagging him. I would just say he's he's your opponent, like the old days. You try to do your best against him, but don't forget you're playing. You know, you because we we have to because Graham's like all of them. When we're moving forward, run the ball in the center, in the in the back half. You're not you're not worrying about crits. You're worrying about getting up to support the forwards and keeping that ball in that area. 
laying that second shackle. And as, as that goal to put us ahead, it was because Edwards and Cochin and Graham were all pushing up from their job in the midfield. The scrubby kip came out, great hands from Cochin and Edwards, and all of a sudden um, we're in front. The Tigers are in front, and Jack's got his first. Yeah, so we, but we, we, we're full of two-way runners. Yeah, which is, which is good because there's been such yeah. a long period yeah. of time where we only had one-way runners and you, you literally <laughs> aren't going to win any games at all if, you, if you've got No, that. no, no. And the last We'd matchup... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the last matchup we'll talk about, it's a bit more generic. It's the Carlton Defenders versus the Richmond Fords. But we already touched on the Carlton Defenders, so maybe we'll focus a bit more on our Fords. Um, Scarecrow, do you reckon is Townsend... He's a lock, isn't he, surely? After his final series and games just before the finals and the job he did, he's got to play. He's got to be. I don't care if he gets zero possessions. The What he brings with the tackling and uh, the intensity just sets the tone and makes other forwards just terrified to be there. Um, sorry, other defenders. So I think he's got to be there. Um, and, 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 you know, his handy ability to get limited possessions and a couple of goals, he's got to play. And this is Anfield. It looks like Bolton has oh. every chance to come in for Rioli. Um, how do you think oh, he's oh. going to go getting a full-time crack at it? Oh, I think he's and and it's it's fantastic for the long term too. I think he'll he'll make a real go of it. Um, I like what I saw in the JLT more for, so for his attitude. A couple of the marks didn't come off, but he's got that ability with those long arms to all of a sudden just find space where no space is available. And as he gets more and more experience and and works, I can just see you know Butler and. Castagna and Cat or just loving playing with Bolton because he'll give them a lot of goals. He'll give them a, and get his fair share too. So you know he's raw and he's young and he'll he'll have games where he's hardly sighted. But um, we they've all had that. The others take the slack. So no, I think he'll fit in well. And it's going to be when Castagna, Bolton, Rioli, and Butler are all fit with the rest of it. It's it's going to be a nice selection headache to have. Yeah, and there's still like Stengel in the background yeah. as well, who's no slouch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but he'll get better and more confidence and the rest of it. And um, it makes it hard for blokes like poor old Sammy Lloyd, I think, um, who's worked really hard to get fit, but I can't see a place for him. Yeah, I think he's had to reinvent himself a little bit. Yes. The, uh, the other player yeah. I want to talk about just quickly, has there's been a bit of, um, I suppose, back and forth about him on the on the Richmond board anyway, is Shane Edwards, with Champion mm-hmm. Data <laughs> classifying him as an elite player. I personally don't mm-hmm. agree with that as an overall player. I think he's got a lot of elite traits, but I think as a complete package, I think his kicking lets him down quite a lot. But I, I still think he's extremely valuable to our team. Um, how, how do you see his role developing in the future now we've got all these other small forwards in? Uh, it's... Oh, sorry, I hope you're asking me because I'm butting in. Um, Go. He, yes, he was always... I always liked, I've always been a big fan of his, but the inconsistency mirrored the inconsistency of the team more so. Uh, because he's he's got all the skills, but now that we're actually a, a pretty good team and moving forward, his um, vision is is and the, the ability to find that slowness in the middle of that um, he takes that second walk to get that really dangerous handball out. I think he is elite in that in that regard. I find his kicking can be a bit hit and miss. We try some really difficult stuff. You know, it's like, as we use the, the, the soccer terminology, the number 10s, they try the impossible and it doesn't come off all the time, but when it does, it, it leads to heavy scoring. Um, no doubt people who follow my posting will realise that. I don't agree with others. 
that don't rate him. I think he's a real high talent. And while we're a good side, I think he's going to be very, very valuable and dangerous. Whether he's league top 50 or not, it doesn't matter. He just complements our side so well. He's that yeah. link between the Martins and the Cochins to those small forwards and Jack. So, yeah, yeah, much better side with him in it. And um, I, th- I honestly think on reflection, he could have quite easily been Norm Smith. Yeah, yeah, I think he was definitely there. The first half, he was yeah. the best, and he sort of right. faded out, but the game was already won. Yeah, but you, you watch the replay, and you see how many times he released the Martins, the Cotchins, and all the rest of them, just by his ability to stop time, almost. It was quite uncanny, yep. and it was another level that he yeah he, he, he came to, and which teams need. You're not going to be premiership teams unless players with ability find their best level. And and he did one of the ones that did along with Hooley and the rest of it, and it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And we'll move on to some possible changes for us. Uh, so Scarecrow, obviously Daniel Riola is going to miss with injury, and Nathan Broad due to suspension. Those two are probably certainties at this stage. Who do you think is most likely to come in for them? Bolton, certainly for Rioli without a shadow of a doubt. I think his JLT, he finally showed, as as uh, Anfield pointed out rightly before, that he tends to drift in and out of games. But in JLT, he was staying there for longer. So I think he's ready. And I think when Rioli comes back, we might see him more in the midfield anyway or midfield forward, sort of that Shane Edwards role. Um, I think with Nathan Broad, he's a tough one to replace. Uh, I've grown more and more fond of him because he can run, he can carry, but he's also got height and a lot of our other players don't. So, the, I mean, you bring in Corey Ellis, you bring in Jaden Short, um, and if I recall, Broad was a swap for Jaden Short, um, but Broad has that height that the others don't. Uh, we seem to be grooming Ellis Conker Short from those JLT games. So I guess it's one of those guys. And uh, I think I probably like Short the most. Um, but as his name says, he's not tall. Uh, so I, you don't get that added bonus there. You could even potentially, if, if Short come in, you could even maybe drop McIntosh back into that defensive role because he does have that height that Broad has, as well as the athleticism. who might be able to just cover for a couple of weeks in the half-back role while Short runs up and down the wing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Uh, Short on his two JLTs and his attitude has probably earned a spot more than any of the others. I thought he's been absolutely fantastic with his run and carry and his, his ball handling and seemed to be cleaner and the rest of it. I know it's only JLT, but um, you, you've still got to do it. Um, the height is, is the issue. They're looking for somebody with height of cart they're going to go tall. Um, yeah, it's either going to be Ellis, who is who can negate um, height-wise and then, then run off, or drop McIntosh back, as Michael said, which is an option. But on earning it, I think Short deserves a go, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a game. Great. And then yeah. the other two, Scarecrow, there's obviously a bit of a cloud over Hawley and Prestia. Although there has been, I suppose, mixed reports coming out that Hawley is right to go in his own mind. It's just a matter of getting the clearance from the Medicos. But if those two were to miss, who else would make it into the side for you? I guess you go next in line in that that triple of uh, Conker, Corey Ellis, and also Jaden Short. Um, so I think any of those could, you know, do the best to replace for Hooley, but he's obviously so important. I think with Prestia, it highlights a real issue with the team. Jeez, we've got so many rebounding defenders to come into the team. We've got so many small forwards. We actually don't have a lot of midfielders. Like, I know a big deal was made from Miles missing a lot of footy last year, but we had a we had an amazing run with injuries. So we don't have a lot. Of, I don't actually know who we'd bring in. I guess Miles isn't in contention because he didn't play JLT. Uh, Sam Lloyd, but that doesn't really fill me with a lot of confidence, bringing in Lloyd as your direct replacement of Prestia, who's a fantastic midfielder. 
Yeah, yeah. Right. good point. Hmm. What do we know? Why Miles didn't play? Don't know. Well, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't play either game. Um, I think he might have played the VFL. I'm not I'm not 100 yeah. sure, but I is he just in the bad books that much? Yeah, I I honestly don't know, but he certainly hasn't had a look in, has he? Um, no. Uh, and look, as a against the Carlton, I could see a spot for Miles because he's in and under getting yep. if it's a if it's a swap for for Prestia because um, Prestia can do, can do both. He's a pretty smart footballer. Um, one, like, I like Anthony Miles, I really do. And when he came in and he was what runner up in the best affairs or top five a few years in a row. Um, was probably over there, but he just works hard. He knows his limitations and he works hard. But I think our game style may have passed him by. And if Presti is not out, I, I can see Short, Conquer and um, any of Ellis. And even if Hooley's out, it'll still be out of those three. And I don't see poor, mm-hmm. poor old Anthony getting a game, unfortunately. And it just means that um, probably um, Caddy might just play more midfield and, or, and Koch and Dusty might have to spend more time in there rather than rotating forward. Um, yep, we've got we've got plenty of you know, forward and back rotations. But, you know, Shed can play. Shed can play. You know, a lot of midfield as well. He can get the ball out of the middle. Um, yeah, but yeah, Prestia's he's become an important player, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he definitely yeah. has, and it poses a, a couple yeah. of selection headaches. So, it will be interesting come yeah. Wednesday night what they decide to go with. Well, and, uh, before no, we let well, you both go, are, we'll... uh, selection nights. Oh, they are. They are. Uh, before we finish off, we'll we'll just get a prediction for the upcoming game from both of you. So this is Anfield. What what do you think the result's going to be, including the margin? Uh, my head says uh, the, oh, the result. The results Richmond winning, um, uh, but I, I'd say uh, forty five points by my head. My heart says we're going to beat them by one hundred and eighty three. I'll go KB. <laughs> and Scarecrow, what about yourself? Yeah, look, we're going to be a bit rusty for round one. You guys have tempered my expectations a little, so I'm going to rain in the margin. Um, 70 points. <laughs> oh, well, okay. oh. We have changed, haven't we? We have, we have turned a circle, haven't we? Uh, turned, turned a corner as a club. <laughs> oh, I reckon it might yeah. be around the 30 to 35-point mark. Um, I think, yeah, we'll pull away later on in the game. We'll just grind them out like we have oh, every yeah. other team for the last couple of months. Oh. So, oh. My, oh, we... Debbie, Michael's a downer. <laughs> <laughs> just need the four points first and foremost <laughs> yeah we do yeah it's all about the four points yeah. alright just but a not... reminder that the game's on Thursday the 22nd at 7.25pm at the MCG for those going to the game just remember that the MCG car park is fully closed so make sure you give yourself time to get there and make sure you get there early to watch the flag be unfurled so the club have said to try 6.30 and I think by, it is yeah 6.30 to 6.45 the yeah. earlier the better I guess um, if you yeah. aren't able to make the game, the game is live on Channel 7 and Fox Footy from 7pm Melbourne time. And tomorrow night as well is, for those who have Fox Cell, is the Fighting Fury documentary. I think it's at 9.30, uh, which looks pretty good, especially... Oh, I thought the, it was at 9. Oh, is it 9? Maybe just check the guide. Don't oh, take my word check, for it. Please check the guide. I would hate to be responsible for people missing half an hour of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the short preview of that looked pretty good with Rance just throwing mm. in a pretty epic troll towards Geelong, just uh, oh, talking absolutely. about playing it on our home deck. That was just gold. Uh, I was so, thinking of um, Benny78 and all of those Geelong... <laughs> 
dickheads and how if they actually watch that, it's going to be epic. It's going yeah, to be epic. It's going to cause some serious salt on the main board, like, oh, no doubt. Oh, exactly. But uh, this exactly. is Anfield and Scarecrow. Thank you so much for coming on to preview round one. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And until next time, go Tigers. Yeah, well, no, I'd just like to say well done again, Michaels. Uh, absolutely. Um, you're, you're a pretty good host and uh, nice to talk to you, Scarecrow. And uh, yeah, look, if you need it again, I'll do it again anytime. Sounds it's good. Smooth and I expect it. All good. Yep, thanks to you both. Nice to get to speak to you both and to talk Tigers. Go Tigers. Thanks, Yeah, guys. go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers.